Amen. Well, that was good preaching. I appreciate that. And appreciate the uh, the stories that went with it to illustrate it. And if you'll take that truth and do it, it'll help you. It'll help not just the young people, help all of us, won't it? And uh, God help us to get over the hump for God. I don't know if you're ever over the hump till you die and see Jesus face to face. Isn't that right? And we're going to have to live for God our whole entire life. And it's been good to be here. I watched this morning. I was in the hotel room this morning because I had to do a lecture to our college back home. And uh, But I was able to watch on my phone. And Brother Barnes, I don't know if he's here, but he tore it up this morning, didn't he? Should have just ended it probably after that message right there. And then you raised a bunch of money, and I was never ever any more happy than not be here than that. But anyhow, all right, take your Bible. Revelation chapter number 2 with me, please. Revelation chapter number 2. <laughs> Thank you. Revelation chapter number two. And uh, I don't know what it's like to have friends, but I'd like to know. Uh, all I have is these guys up here. Revelation chapter number two. I don't even know what the, what he said, but it was something about my love offering, so I know it's negative. All right, Revelation. What's amazing is he mentioned love offering. That's the first time in three years I've heard that word here. All right, Revelation chapter number two. And uh, I want to read a few verses from chapter two and chapter number three. And... Uh, I'm not going to preach like I preached last night. I just want to share with you some information. And uh, I pray it will be a help to you. It's a burden on my heart. And it's a need in our hour, I think. And uh, I hope that you'll like it. But I really don't care if you do or not. <laughs> Amen. Revelation chapter number 2. And I do pray it will be a help. Revelation chapter number 2. I want you to notice in these letters to these seven churches, there is a form of heresy or apostasy already infiltrating or at least trying to every single one of these local churches. Now, this has taken place in the first century. Already, these churches are corrupting or facing the threat of corruption. Now, I just reckon that if they dealt with it then, it's probably even amplified today. And I want you to see here in the church at Ephesus, in verse number 2, they're dealing with the crowd at the end of the verse. It says, them which say they are apostles and are not. So anybody who's running around saying that they're an apostle, here's what God says, they're liars. They're not telling the truth. Down in verse number, uh, verse number 6, it talks about the deeds of the Nicolaitans, this crowd that is lording over these people. The church in Smyrna it talks about some different things. It says in verse number 9, the end of that verse, that they're dealing with a crowd called the synagogue of Satan. These folks who are saying that they're, they're Jews, but they're not. The church in Pergamos, they're dealing with a couple of things. In verse number 14, they're talking about the doctrine of Balaam, trying to get God's people to marry up with the world, bring some sensuality and corruption into the assembly. You go down further, and there's the doctrine in verse 15 of the Nicolaitans mentioned there. In the church at Thyatira, there's an issue in verse number 20. They're dealing with a woman named Jezebel, and it said they suffer this woman named Jezebel that calls herself a prophetess, calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. You can turn the page if you need to in your Bible. It talks about it again in the church at Philadelphia. They also deal with the synagogue of Satan. So in all of these churches, there is apostasy that's advancing. There is heresy that is taking hold. 
Take your Bible, turn back with me to the book of Jude, and we'll read a few verses here. I just want you to see that there is a need for this. It's not just that I'm on a hobby horse or had a bad morning or anything, but it's mentioned in the Bible a few times here. Jude, in verse number 3, it tells us, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should watch what it says, Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now the command is, I'm to fight for the faith, the delivered body of Bible truth, doctrine. I'm to take a stand for that. Contend, not be contentious, but I am to contend for the faith. And the reason for that is in the very next verse, for there are certain men crept in unawares. They don't come in advertising what they are. They come in under the guise of, well, I'm your friend. I'm just like you are. I have the same title, the same, the same uh, uh, initials for what I am that as they creep in, who before of old were, were ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. You can look down verse 15 and 16 of the chapter. God describes them to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust and their mouths speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Take your Bible, go to 1 John. Show you a few verses. First John in chapter uh, uh, number two in the book of First John. Let me get there. I got a new Bible. That's like the worst. You know that when you open up a new Bible and it doesn't obey you and go to where your old Bible would open up to. First John chapter number two and verse number 26. I want you to see how John describes these false prophets. These things have I written unto you concerning, and here's the word, them that seduce you. Chapter 4, look with me here. I want to show you these verses, and then I'll give you the message. Chapter number 4, in verse number 1. Beloved, watch this. Believe not every spirit. That'd be a good life verse. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Here's why. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. What's he saying? He's saying try and practice a little bit of spiritual discernment. Before you put a like or a retweet or an amen on a movement or a meeting or a man, you might want to just slow your roll a minute, put on the brakes and say, wait a minute, is that even biblical? The reason we got into this, I preach in our church on Wednesday nights, I got a little bit discouraged by how fast some men, some pastors and some people that are supposedly in our crowd were, were giving their amen to some things that were not difficult to discern, unbiblical. The revival, quote-unquote, at Asbury College, which was totally anti-Bible. Woman preachers speaking in tongues, casting out devils. Amen, everybody all right? Contemporary music. No Bible. And independent Baptist preachers were saying, well, you're just jealous. It's not happening at your place. If you have any Bible discernment, you could see a thousand red flags without even having to watch much of the video clips. Everybody all right? The, the Jesus Revolution movie now that everybody's bragging on. 
on social media, people who go to independent fundamental Baptist churches, how great it is. You know that movement started by a bunch of hippies doing LSD, had visions of God, supposedly got born again. One of them's a sodomite, died of AIDS. Amen. Ushered in the Jesus Freak movement in 1969. Interesting enough, it went to Asbury University where they had their first revival in 1970. Pretty good promotional for a movie, if you ask me to have one again right before the movie comes out this year. And everybody's promoting that. You know, they believe in all the apostolic signs and wonders still yet and having visions and being translated up to heaven. And the independent Baptist preacher say, well, that's a blessing. No, that's not even of God. This new movement where they're delivering saved people from demon possession. And they're packing out theaters in Nashville and other places, and they won't use words like born again, but delivered. And they're saying, well, you've got the demon of gossip and the demon of alcohol and the demon of sodomy. No, that's your flesh. And what they're doing is excusing your sin and my sin and saying the devil made you do it or the devil's in there. And they're supposedly casting demons out of these people that need to repent and just get right with God. And independent Baptist people are saying, well, that's pretty good. I like that. The Bible tells me in Proverbs 23, 23, that buy the truth and sell it not. Our country has changed so rapidly. Everything in America, now you can't even be pro-American in America. If you salute the flag, you are anti-American in America nowadays. So much change, but can I say it's happened in our churches as well. You study the church as it should be. In the book of Acts, that, that early church, the church was militant. It was not tolerant. It was spirit-filled, Bible-preaching, soul-winning, revival, planning churches, world missions. And now everything today is about, well, whatever you believe, your truth, my truth. But what about God's truth? And it's like that. Everything is multi-everything. And maybe not all of it's bad, but I kind of think it is. It's all multicultural. I don't believe in that. I think if you come to America, you ought to be an American. Same matter right there. Multiculturalism, multinationalism, multigenderism. But the problem with that is now we're getting into this multi-spiritualism where I can be an independent Baptist and yet adopt some charismatic things. Amen. Or some Catholic things or some New Age things. And you can't get on me or anything because I'm going to do what I want to do. Harry Ironside made the statement a long time ago, exposing error is most unpopular work. But from every standpoint, it's a worthwhile work. To our Savior, it means he receives from us the loyalty that is due his name. It's amazing to me how folks will shout amen when you expose error that's in the world. Preach against all the sins of society and they'll shout you till you can't hear yourself talk. But you start to name some issues that are rising in our churches and that crowd that supposedly loves everyone will hate you as much as the devil hates you. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 1.8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And just to be sure the Galatians got it, he said, let me say it again. He said, as we said before, so say now I again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. He does not say tolerate it. He does not say assimilate to it. He does not say give ear. He does not say give audience. He does not say retweet or share for your buddies. He said, let him be damned or let him be accursed. To the Romans, Paul said, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them. 
which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. John said it there in chapter one, verse four. I mentioned it, beloved, believe not every spirit, but here it is, but try the spirits whether they are of God. You read your New Testament and there is a warning against false teachers and apostates in every New Testament book except maybe one. Here is the sentiment today. Well, I'm for anybody that's preaching Jesus. I'm not. If I want to follow the Word of God, I cannot live by that statement. Now, I'm for preaching Jesus, but I need enough discernment to understand what Jesus are they preaching. And is the Jesus they're preaching found in the Scripture? Because more often than not, that crowd that only preaches Jesus never even gets around to preaching Jesus. All they talk about is their feelings. They talk about their emotion. They talk about good vibes. They talk about the experience, but there is no mention of Bible doctrine. And here's a marquee of the last days. They will, listen, subtlety, the subtlety of this, apostasy will cloak itself in a veneer of Christianity to cover up the error that hides beneath it. Apostasy and heresy always are a direct attack on the deity of Jesus Christ. I heard a man a man named Stephen Furtick. He is uh, the leader of one of these things in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he made this statement, God is energy. God is a molecular structure. That is new age mysticism. That is not of God. And nobody even knows what in the world he's trying to say. Galatians 1 verse 6 and 7 I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another but there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Today here's the problem. Our world is anything but absolute. There is no absolute at all in our society today and I fear that God's people are being sucked in to that cultural blessing black hole where anything goes and everything's fluid and there's no standard anymore and so we just buy in and sell out and go with whatever comes across our phone. Amen. Here's what we say. Well, transitional. Everything's transitional. My truth, your truth, but what about God's truth? I heard one of those people who went to that supposed Asbury revival and I use that word in air quotes, you know, I don't believe it was. I don't believe it was at all. I, one of those fellows who left that meeting said, the Holy Ghost has fallen like rain. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But here's the statement that bothered me. He said, I can never go back and have church the same way again. Well, that's exactly what the devil wants. What we're being conditioned for today is to exalt feeling, exalt emotion, and exalt opinion, and demonize an absolute authority. That is why there's an attack even now on the King James Bible by these boys that were trained and saved under the King James Bible. It's all part of this master plan to get us to this point where everything is about flesh, and everything's about emotion, everything's about feeling, and we can discard what God has said. You study it out and watch. These neo-churches emphasize atmosphere and ambience, and there's no emphasis on Bible truth or doctrine. 
Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen made the statement. He said, when God looked and saw you, he stepped back and said, you are very good. Well, you had to go to the book of Romans and read, there's none good. No, not one. But I'll say that is Satanism at its root because that's the issue. You're God, I'm God, we're our own authority. We're good. Everything's relative today. Everything. There's always been theological liberals. There's always been a woke agenda, if you will. But I'll tell you what bothers me as a younger man who's going to have to deal with this for a long time if Jesus doesn't come back is it's not just happening in the neo-latte-sipping, liberal uh, church down the road. It is happening in churches that I've preached for throughout the years and churches that would associate with us in a meeting like this and then the next week go somewhere we would never, ever dream of going. We think the devil peddles in dope and alcohol. I think the devil peddles in worship. Everybody all right? Ephesians 2 said there's a spirit that even now is at work in the children of disobedience. And here's what's happening. We're taking this thing, a God called shepherd, and putting him to the side and replacing our pastor with a thousand bad voices on our social media. Now the Bible is just a supplemental text for my experience instead of letting the Bible dictate to me my experience. We're living in a day where the word Holy Spirit does not always mean Holy Spirit. Amen. We're living in an hour where the word worship might not even mean worship. We've prostituted out revival now to mean some mosh pit for Jesus. Revival in the Bible is a brokenness, a contrition, a repentance, a getting right with God. It is not me looking. It is me on my face in sackcloth and ashes. Amen. We're trading out local church oversight for these non-denominational ecumenical tent meetings that go for months and months and months with no accountability where saved people get saved 400 times. Everybody all right? There's this interfaith mindset that's overshadowing everything. We're blurring ecclesiastical boundaries and letting man make himself into God. Discarding doctrine in favor of experience. And now I am my own final authority. I heard a man say, well, God's so big, none of us have a good view of him. And I want to say that's an ignorant statement. I got a clear view of God right here in his word. Amen. You say, but God's too big to put in a box. Maybe. But I'm glad he's not so big he can't put himself in a Bible. I'm glad I've got all the God I need right here. I don't need a vision. I don't need I don't need an out-of-body experience. I don't need some woman preacher with a crystal ball. I don't need to hear what you think or what I feel. I've got God right here in the Word. Amen. It's amazing to me how people say, well, God spoke to me through a song. God spoke to me through a dream. God spoke to me through a feeling. God spoke to me through this, that, and the other. When's the last time he spoke to you out of his book? Amen. God doesn't speak through that. God gave me a revelation. Genesis through revelation. I got 66 books that God speaks to me through. Some of us are more charismatic than we know. Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. And I tell you, the problem in our pew is because there's a problem in our pulpit. We got seeker sensitive a long time ago. Then here's the issue, for the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. But after a little lush shall they heap themselves teachers, having itching ears, and now no longer do we want the authoritative voice, we want the appeasing voice. We want what I want or what I think or what I, what I feel, not what thus saith the Lord. Better not be so audacious as to divide over doctrine. 
But you better not be so narrow-minded you can't yoke together over experience. Amen. Liberal Christianity is just like the queer movement, love wins. Whatever goes. Here, here it is. Let me give you a few things. That crowd, they won't say salvation. I said it a minute ago. They'll say deliverance. They won't say words like sacrifice. They'll say words like worship. And I'm not against worship. I'm against what they use it for. Amen. They won't say Lord or Christ. And rarely do they even say Jesus. But they'll say spirit. They don't say, well, the Bible says. They say, well, here's my truth. They won't say the power of God. They'll say, did you feel the energy? Now, let me not be so narrow that you say, well, he's whatever. Let me be clear about this. Revival can take place outside of a Baptist church, but it's not going to take place outside of a Bible. God might bless outside of my church, but he's not going to bless outside of his word. God might use a Christian who's different than us. I understand that. I'm not so ignorant nor narrow to think God can't use somebody who believes maybe a little bit different. But God is not going to bless apostasy. God is not going to bless heresy. God's not going to use someone who's different than his book. 1 John 2, 18. These are the last days that you have heard that the Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists. Even now. Sadly, many Christians in the last days, they're not known by doctrine or discernment or direction. Let me ask you a few questions. Does God anoint apostasy? Well, this will settle it, right? Does God bless extra biblical experience over revealed Bible truth? Does God honor my feelings over his word? No. Let me ask you this one. Is pragmatism more valid than Bible principle. What's pragmatism? Well, as long as we get a thousand people saved, God ain't going to worry about the rest. Oh, no, you'll stand in judgment for how you got to the end. God isn't worried about the He wants to know that you're obedient. Amen. Let me ask you this. Does God overlook your error because you're sincere in your error? You can slap a Coca-Cola label and a bottle of poison. You'll be just as dead. Does truth evolve to mesh with my interpretation of it? No. Let me ask you this. This is the issue. Is the Word of God absolute authority? Well, do we even have the Word of God? The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 5, quench not the Spirit. Not like that. But there's more to it. Despise not prophesying. Not like that. But here's the issue. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. 1 John 2, 19. I wish I could name. This isn't my meeting, so I won't. They went out from us, but they were not of us. The problem is some of them haven't gone out from us yet. But they're not of us. You say, how can you tell? Because I watch where they preach after this week of meetings. I see who they preach with. It kind of bothers me when a fellow make his money preaching in churches that believe like we do. Amen. And then go yoke up with a fellow the next week who uses an ESV Bible and is part of that crowd that says, you gotta, here's how you transition your church out. And then we'll flock to hear him on his cruise ship or go to his youth meeting. That kind of bothers me just a little bit. There's no discernment in that. Everybody all right? You see, we ought not talk about it. Well, I'm the same age and I'll deal with it longer than you will. God help us we got to be careful with this stuff. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I just want to have some righteous judgment. Amen. Not everything that says it's Christian is Christian. Not everyone who opens a Bible is preaching a Bible. Amen. Not everything that calls itself revival is revival. 
Amen. We're living in these last days, and there's some things creeping into good churches, doubting the Word of God, attacking the Trinity. Amen. Uh, taking these apostolic gifts and now reappropriating them and say, well, all of a sudden now I've got power like Benny Hinn has. I mean, baptismal regeneration, the contemporary Christian music. Dr. Tom Malone said, I'm on a fishing trip, not a snake hunt, but if a snake crawls in my boat, I'm going to cut its tail off right behind the neck. The old-fashioned preacher is not divisive. It's our Bible that's divisive. Don't get mad at a man of God who just stands where God stands on the Word of God. It bothers me a little bit how we parade these Christians like Amy Grant, who did a sodomite wedding, Kanye West, and Oprah Winfrey, and Chris Pratt, and this DeMar Hamlin football guy who almost died and then became a Christian the next day, Paula White, and Matt Walsh, and Jensen Franklin, and Beth Moore, and J.D. Greer, and Bethel Church, and Hillsong. You say, well, we don't know any of that crowd. Yeah, but we sing their songs in some of our churches. Amen. I don't even understand. Uh, let me just, let me, let me finish. Let me finish. You study out these different things that are going on in these churches. You see it today. Rampant. False apostles. False apostles. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen said, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. There's a crowd out there today that are running around calling themselves apostle whatever. Anytime I see anybody with that title before their name, that's a liar. You and I know our Bible well enough to know there are no apostles now. Amen. There is no eyewitness to the resurrected Christ walking around here who's been commissioned to do those apostolic miracles that were used in a transitional period of church history before a completed Bible was given to us. People don't rightly divide their Bible and now they got themselves all mixed up and they got these people infiltrating churches saying, I speak with more authority than the word of God. And we see that crowd today. That's this whole casting out devils crowd. That's out of hell. That is false doctrine. That is heresy. Amen. We got that crowd. That's that church in California, Redding, California, and Bethel Church. They're teaching their middle school kids how to have these visions and get translated out of body up into heaven, and they can tour heaven. Then they come back, and they draw pictures of what they've seen. Man, that's cool. We take our kids soul winning. They take their kids to heaven. What in the world? And that's that, that, somebody just said it, and we sing their music. All we do is take out the drums and put in a little piano and change the tempo a little bit. And then we stand up there and sing the same song. And then independent Baptist people have no discernment and say, that's good singing right there. Man, because of my age, I preach a lot of youth meetings. I get so discouraged at these youth meetings that are held in good churches with good preachers and sing bad music. They take a contemporary song. And I don't mean, I don't mean a song written the last year. I'm talking about a CCM-styled song, which is a philosophy behind it. And sing it out. And we have our good kids raised in good homes, in good youth groups, with the King James Bible, not knowing any better, worshiping, supposedly, to that mess. Hey, I'd rather them think the singing stinks and is boring as long as it's doctrinal. Amen. They have to sing them for three hours on these emotional songs where you don't know who they're singing about. you got to be, listen, I don't know how any man could ever sit through a contemporary praise and worship service. It is so effeminate. 
false apostles, the Nicolaitans ruling over the people, the synagogue of Satan saying that they're Jews and they're not. That's that replacement theology crowd. That's that I'm taking all the promises of Israel, making them mine. Hey, I'm not in the kingdom building business. I'm in the church age. Amen. I'm doing what I do for the local church. I'll be out of here and then I'll come back with the king of kings. But that ain't happening right now. I see it all the time. These little guys, we're doing kingdom work. Well, you're not. Unless you're a Jehovah Witness, I reckon maybe then you are. They got the doctrine of Balaam. What is that? The doctrine of Balaam is bringing sensuality into the congregation. Balaam, he got God's people to intermarry there with the Moabites. You know all about that. He was intellectual, industrious. He used spiritual words and had a lot of knowledge, but he was sold out for secular gain. He was in the business of yoking God's people up with the world. We see that everywhere today. Man, I got saved when I was 21. So I got saved after I had the opportunity to be stupid and go places you ought not go and see things you ought not see. So I know what a club looks like. I know what a bar looks like. I know what bad music sounds like. I was in that, got saved. I used to play guitar in bars when, before I got saved. And a couple times after, but I wasn't sanctified. You know what I mean? It was this growing. But anyway, I know what it's like. It bothers me when I go into church and it's as black as the bar was and it's lit up like the club used to be and it sounds like the honky-tonk did or the nightclub down the road did. That bothers me just a little bit. How about you turn on the lights, get at a piano, open up a hymn book and worship God. What about this? Let me give you one more. Jezebel the prophetess. Here's the issue in our churches. The flesh, false doctrine, and feminism. You don't get contemporary Christianity without the feminist movement. Amen. You study, you study, you study false ideologies. Most of them have women leadership. That's the thing in our, the rise of this female leadership, even in good churches. You say, I don't agree with that. That's fine. Why is it you always have to have the feminine colored lights for your ambience then? Why can't we have camouflage lights? We'd all have seizures, but I mean, it'd look better, wouldn't it? It's always so soft and light. The singing is so... I mean, it makes you want to take a shower. I mean, you just watch, you, you watch this, the crowd. They, and it's always, the frontline singers, always women. And the preacher ought to be. He just hadn't realized it yet, right? I mean, he goes up there after there in these little skinny jeans that a seven-year-old girl could barely slide into with Vaseline. He has his shirt on with bedazzled jewels all over it, opens up his journal, apologizes before he speaks, looks over at his wife for permission, and then he whispers for about five minutes, tells everybody, Jesus loves your sin. Go home and live how you want to live. And they call it church. I don't know how a man can sit through it. Everything is feminine. My little boy is six years old, and uh, he, uh, he, uh, he's playing t-ball, and uh, I, I, I like it. We're, tr we're trying to make sure even in California, he's as boy as he can be. He likes cowboys and Indians and, and all that kind of stuff. We were riding in the car the other day, and uh, you know his class, his school is full of Indians, and I'm talking about from India. We were driving down the road, we were talking about playing cowboys and Indians. He goes, yeah, man. He said, Dad, I'm always a cowboy. I'm going to shoot the Indians. I said, amen. He said, but not the kind in my class. I said, no, 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 no don't do that. Those are different ones. They're fine. You can, they pay tithes and they, school bills and stuff. Don't shoot them. We need those. But he's playing t-ball. And I got an email 
Oh, by the way, happy National Women's History Month or whatever. I got an email. I got an email for Little League. And I thought, hallelujah, Little League. I remember Little League, man. We're going to put some big league chew in his jaw. We're going to make sure his pants get dirty if he gets to play or not. Amen. If he doesn't come home needing a Band-Aid, he didn't even play. You know, it's just not how we want it to be like it's supposed to be. So that's what I, I opened up that email, and it was celebrating girls playing in Little League. Everything is geared toward, and I'm not anti-woman, by the way. And I don't think anybody who believes their Bible can be. We believe in the equality of male and female, do, do we not? We just know that God designated different roles, amen, that complement each other and make the two one and whole. But everything is feminine. I'm talking about the sports. You can't even turn it on. Yeah, of course, you don't want to watch ESPN anyway. You might as well watch CNN. But anyway, you turn that on. It is all celebrating female athletics. They're saying, well, I don't understand why the women don't make as much money as the men. Because it's horrible to watch. Man, I'm going to have to hide after this, am I not? Bunch of Jezebels in here. I'm just being honest with you. Even if, I wasn't a, even if I wasn't a preacher, I think that was bad to watch. I mean, you could take the average eighth grade boys basketball player and let him start on the WNBA. Only difference is he doesn't have a criminal record yet. Everything is feminine. You walk in. Some of y'all last night said, you preach so fast. If I slow down, you're not going to like it. You're going to hear everything I say. You walk into Target... We don't have Walmart, man. We got Target, so pray about it. But anyway, we got Target. You walk in there, you can't even discern what clothing section is what. And it's bad, man. We, we fuss and fuss about how they're blurring the gender lines in society, but we're blurring them in our church. Amen. Man, I'd hate to reveal the percentage of, of people that dress right during the week. They'll dress right. Wait a minute. They'll dress semi-right on Sunday. <laughs> it's a little bit questionable on Sunday. It's a little bit short, tight, and whatever on Sunday. But it's full-blown bad Monday through Saturday. And you can't even say anything about it now because they'll just leave. You know what I mean? They're not going to get right or whatever like that. It's just gone. Listen, I'm not trying to be funny and I'm not trying to be obnoxious. I'm just trying to say we need some discernment when it comes to a lot of this filth today, because here it is, Jesus is coming soon. And all of this yoking together, the devil's not going to get us to join together over doctrine, is he? Because Baptist people don't believe like Presbyterians, right? We're not Calvinists. We don't believe like the Charismatics. We don't believe in losing your salvation, getting a back, speaking in tongues and all that mess. So how's the devil going to yoke us together? Better be careful. I think it's through worship. If he can get us all singing the same songs rallying around the same sound and the same look. We'll buy into that thing, and he ain't going to have any trouble whenever he's in power getting the world to worship together because there's already a push by men in our crowd to get us to worship together. But I say this, we should earnestly contend for the faith. And God help us to have some discernment. Brother, you come. That's, that's enough. I don't need to give an invitation. You want to give an invitation? All right, the altar's open. Why don't you come? Let's ask God to help us take a stand. Love your Bible. Stay in your Bible. Don't read so many blogs. Listen, don't listen to bitter people who used to be like you are. Why would you want spiritual advice from an unspiritual person? 
Stick in the Word of God. Altars open. Why don't you come? Lord, I pray that you bless the invitation. Thank you for your Bible. Help us to help us to have the right spirit, but help us to take the right stand too, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Altars open. You come.